0: We, I bet we're live, because it says live. Looks like it. it. I mean, if it's telling us we're live, we're live. Uh, I've got Chris Hunter from Koya. How are you, bud? Doing good, man. How about yourself? You know, today's a good day. We're in the North Bay. Uh, we have some fire stuff going on here. Um, it's been happening, actually, multiple years in a row. But uh, today looks a little clear. I think they're trying to get a hold of this thing. You are from where? From Ohio, Ohio,
1: which is where I'm sitting right now. From
0: Ohio, you live in San Diego. That's right. We're talking Koya, and for those that are going to watch this or watching it live right now, you can ask questions, I think. I don't know. We'll see if that works and all the good stuff, but um, we're going to get into just you know the building of the brand, how you got there, who was it with, um, specific questions over the next 15, maybe 20 minutes that hopefully viewers who are in the CPG space can can get value out because that's all this is about value. Um, and we'll start with the good one. You have a co-founder. Let's give give her a shout out.
1: Yeah. So there's actually two co-founders, Dustin Baker and Maya French are the two co-founders and the original formulators of, of what I call COIL 1.0. So created the original, uh, the product that we've all come to, to love and know. And, um, we joined up forces, uh, with their kind of original recipe and proof of concept in my entrepreneurial background back in 2016 to launch Koi as we know it today. So
0: 2016, uh, shout out, both of them, shout out. Hopefully you're watching. <laughs> um, th- how did they connect with you? What were you doing at the time and, and what did
1: that look like? So back in 2005 in Chicago, I started a company with two other co-founders called Fusion Projects in the alcohol space. We created a brand called Four Loco. And so I was still running that. And uh, long story short, life had changed since I was 25 and started that brand. Was more into health and wellness, started invest- investing in better for you food and beverage brands. And essentially the gist of it was a, a mutual friend of ours said, hey, we're-, we're looking at this product. It's called Raw Nature Five and check it out. You're a beverage guy. So, checked it out, got to meet the two of them, invested in the product, and then we decided to uh, further our relationship and partnership over the next year. And then, uh, again, we evolved, pivoted, and launched Koya in, in 16.
0: We're not going to talk too much about 4Loco. Four lo- four, four we, we, <laughs> we won't do it. Uh, yeah. it, it is, is it still out there? Is it still available?
1: It is. It is. My partners are still running that company. still out there and a big brand. Big Be- brand. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. And so you, you got a lot of experience in it, specifically in beverage, which is very cool, right? Yep. Because you're able to bring that into this. Um,
1: you a health guy? You you into working out and, and and eating right? Always been into working out, taking care of myself. That uh, understanding of that has evolved over time, which kind of goes along with my you know transition in my career. And so back in 15, 14, my second son was born dairy intolerant. My wife became a nutritionist. And so the world changed in terms of, uh, in terms of better for you, food and beverage for me. I get
0: that. Uh, I get that. Uh, as a parent, um, I've always been a, a health and fitness enthusiast, right. Um, you know, in the gym and, and all the good stuff. And, and I eat a certain way. I talk about balanced nutrition, which is what we're about. Um, but when the kids come to play, you're also, you know, you, you're, you're, making even more corrections where they need right. to be. Um, let's talk about those first iterations. It's 2000, you said 16. Um, what did it look like then? What, what did it taste like? What
1: were, were they, was it a makeup, what it is now? So the original version, like I mentioned, was called raw nature five. And so it was in a, it was in a squatty bottle. Um, it was a, it was a label that Dustin had designed on his own. Um, you know, but it was a, it was a proof of concept phase. It was out in about 30 stores in the Midwest, mostly in Chicago. And it was really interesting because, you know, Chicago, especially in 2014, 15, wasn't known as the epicenter of better for you food and beverage, right? It was a meat and potatoes type place. So to see that it was selling in these accounts uh, as a plant-based protein drink, even back then was really exciting. The evolution happened as we, as we, got ready to scale right so we had an early partnership with presence with uh, presence marketing one of the key brokers in the space with Bill Weiland. and when we received that national whole foods approval it's like okay now we got to make sure that this can scale can travel can sit on the shelf a little longer than you know 25 days and so that those were some of the evolutions that happened but but essentially at its core plant-based protein low sugar delicious decadent delivery it, it, the product stayed the same
0: Give us the ingredients, uh, sort of the the main frame of it. Sure. So it's a proprietary
1: blend of uh, brown rice, pea, and chickpea protein in almond milk. And that's our core protein line. We've obviously evolved out into a keto line and an elevated coffee line and most recently a Thrive line, which is oat milk. But that's where it all started. Very cool. Um, I've had it. It tastes delicious. and
0: And it is in my wheelhouse. Um, I'm actually more into the the whole food aspect of it. I, I don't need the, necessarily it to be lower in sugar and all that, but that's sure, for sure. a whole other uh, subject uh, as far as uh, the low, low carb uh, craze and all that stuff. Um, sure, sure. Where was distribution? You mentioned presence. Um, they're a big player. You know, those that are starting out or emerging, you know, that's, that's far away, right? What, were the first distribution points, even even maybe in its original name, um, before you got there? Were you Were they doing any testing? Did they go down to the farmers market? Did they have their buddies,
1: you know, tasting it? Did a you know where Where were they getting feedback from? So I don't want to speak too much for for Dustin and Maya, but the story, as I know, prior to my involvement, was that it was an evolution. They started in the cold pressed juice uh, category. They decided they were going to go into plant-based protein. Uh, Maya was lactose intolerant and those early test markets were things like plum market in the Midwest, a couple independent up and down the the street markets. um, some gyms, one, one in Chicago called, um, the East bank club and even one whole foods. And then, um, and then to their credit, they, they went to Expo East and sought out some industry experts, got a few people, uh, interested and familiar with the brand. and, And that's where the bigger conversation started.
0: Okay. Now, as you're transitioning, you know, into the brand, uh, was it? Uh, did it go into Koya
1: in 17? When was the When was the move? So, product came off of the market in late 15. So, it was being produced in a commercial kitchen. Uh, we were prepping for Whole Foods, and we weren't able to really scale through that like um, structure, right? And so, it pulled the product off the market. Really focused on. Um, Making it scalable and and stable and you know getting really uh, testing and making sure it was quality product, we launched it in sixteen nationally with Whole Foods through UNFI. So it went from essentially local to non-existent as raw nature five to launching nationally uh, in sixteen with Whole Foods as Koya. That was kind of the evolution. That's a pretty big jump.
0: Um, what would yeah, you say? Yeah. What would you say the biggest hurdles were then? And if we could, just, just talking about money involved, right? Um, when you came in, I'm assuming you might have come in maybe with uh, with an investment, maybe there were others that were, were bringing money into it. Because, you know, once you start talking national anything, right, um, and specifically in our space, and I'm very transparent about that subject, it's an expensive business, right? Yeah, um, yeah, you, you, you don't you, you may think you need X but you need like five times that and then I sometimes joke and right. say you then need five times that. Um, how much money may if you can talk generically was needed just to even get into that iteration?
1: So there there were multiple uh, rounds raised initially. So there were some early stage convertible notes, friends and family. That's where I first, uh, the first round that they raised, joined the company as an investor. Like I said, they had uh, Bill Weiland invested, uh, guys like Mark Rampola and Jim Tonkin invested. And so that was the first iteration. The second iteration was myself and the two guys that I had invested it with from Chicago there was kind of this like no man's land of the of the brand, right? It's like, we we have this future that we can see, we wanna scale it, but there's not a lot to look back on and invest in, right? Which is always a difficult point. And me and the two guys from Chicago, uh, Dave and Ralph, we said, look, there's something here. So we ended up doing the second round. And then as I jumped in, we raised the third round. It was probably the most complicated raise we've ever seen. It was three convertible notes stacked on top of each other. So, uh, and those didn't get us very far because we were really just getting ready to launch in Whole Foods. And so then we raised our first kind of priced round. Um, in In aggregate, we've raised north of fifteen million dollars to this point. And to your to your point, food and beverage is expensive, but refrigerated beverage is really expensive. <laughs> I figured that I I
0: knew that there was another element right another level uh, that 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 is involved um, when you're talking about refrigeration perishables and the like. Um, Yeah, what where where did they or you at that point getting involved as far as co packing Um, that's a big, you know, big project in itself when you're small or you're starting to grow and you're looking for co-packers, people don't recognize that it's very difficult to find a co-packer one and two is to find a good one, right? Um, One that is really looking for that deep partnership. Um, I often say it's the most, in my opinion, it's the most valuable piece. Some people might say, yeah, well, of course it is, but, but they, but they realistically like it's the most valuable piece is the producer and how, how focused and involved they are in, in getting you what you need. Um, yeah. What did that yeah. look like? Was there, did you go multiple iterations, multiple co-packers until you found the right one?
1: So it, it's a mix of relationships and tenacity, right? And so what I mean by that is we were working with JPG Resources and Jeff Grog to help us figure out options, and and then Dustin on the other side was just calling every copack he could find. Can you run this product? It's it's low acid, you know. We needed to have more than ten days shelf life, and so it's definitely a very difficult uh, part of the business. And then even when you find somebody who can and will, is like. Can they actually do it right, and what what issues come up, and so we've spent a lot of time, money, and effort uh, focusing on that. We found a partner that helped us. We had issues, right? Our first run spoiled, so we had the UNFI UNFI trucks sitting at the warehouse, ready to pick up product to go live nationally in Whole Foods, and we're we're assessing how much of it spoiled, and can we ship it? And of course, we didn't. But it's to your point; it's a really important component of the business.
0: That's a really cool story. Um, it's, it's a bad one, but it's just the realities of the business that we're in. There are that's right. so many variables, oftentimes, even not through the interviews and the like, but I get some follow ups after they ask me questions because they know that I'm just going to kick out the truth. Right. There's like there's like variables that you can't even think of. Right. As far as yeah. operating yeah. these types of businesses. And then and again, in your case, perishables um, like that. that, that's a that's a hurdle. Um, let's maybe jump into let's say 2019. You're a player in the space, um, uh, and if you could frame that, what what space are you in? Who are it, we? Don't have to name them, but like who are the competitors? Which shelves are you trying to get space at? And um, and and really, how
1: big is that market? <sighs> So it's a great question, which has evolved over time, right? Because at the beginning, you're like, I'll take the space where I can get it. Just get me on the shelf and let me try to prove myself. Um, We first started looking at this as we're a refrigerated plant-based protein, plant protein-based beverage, right? It was a very narrowly defined competitive segment. And there were a few players, but only a few um, at that time. Since we've broadened our approach through innovation and through kind of the proof of concept or proof of the brand. And so we look at ourselves now as competitors with naked or bolthouse as an example. So they have protein lines, we have protein lines. ours happen to be plant-based, right? Um, they have coffee lines that they may represent in Pepsi's portfolio. We have a co- elevated coffee line. So we're kind of the new age um, uh, legacy smoothie brand that has tentacles out into other uh, other categories. And that's really and that, where we're focusing on shelf space. We're working with produce buyers across the country. And and, and I
0: can visualize it just because I know, right? It, it is, it's like around the corner from the produce set. Um, and um, the, I guess we could say it, but they're no longer of course around, but like the Odwalla set, right? Which now, yeah. like when you hear of yeah. a story like that, your ears must perk up and you go, ah, there, I, make, I better make some calls right
1: now. Where, who's getting that shelf space, right? Um, Our team team was ravenous uh, uh, with that shelf space. They went after it immediately, not only at the corporate level, but at the store level. So, you you know, when you hear something like that, it's an opportunity.
0: You know, I'm like, um, I'm a fan of of big brands. I was actually just talking to Wayne. We were talking specifically about um, the legacy brands. And, you know, there's this dialogue that often kind of, in my belief, gets a little misdirected, you know me being a health enthusiast and, and and really pushing the lifestyle of eating well-balanced meals and snacking the product the right way and understanding the relationship with food. Right. That's my why. Um, and so some would be like, yeah, but then why, you know, the, the big legacy brands are putting out all these products that aren't good for you. And like, well, the thing is you got to respect them and the platform that they have. Right. Mm-hmm. They have the ability. This was just said, they have the ability to, do something big with that platform. That's why I'm, I'm a fan of it. Like I, th- there's no doubt that a lot of them can, can could potentially say the executives on board and they would say, yeah, we don't, you know some of our products aren't the best for you, right? But there are brands like ours even, right? Who are doing something mission driven like they can hear it when we talk about it. And eventually they wanna get involved, right? And they need the men and women Who are doing what we're doing because eventually they have the platform to do it on. Right. And so, you know, when you look at your category and the big bigger players there, is that kind of how you see it? Is that how you you take your overall approach as far as just brand building for right now and knowing where you potentially could get?
1: Well, first of all, I think first to one. kind of reiterate what you said and, and support it, you know, I was in a meeting where I got to hear the former CEO of McDonald's speak and he was saying, you know, for, it's so exciting to be in a room of entrepreneurs and innovators because the stuff you guys do is so cutting edge. He said, for us, we're such a big organization. Innovation means do we have one slice of cheese or two? Right. And, and you can understand at that level how that's a very difficult kind of decision. And there's lots of communication to be done around it. So I can definitely respect <clears throat> what they've built and, and kind of how difficult it is um, to, you know, to turn the Titanic. We look at it as we have to be nimble. That's part of the early stage entrepreneurial journey. Right. And that's part of our advantage. And so we want to get. um you know, our mission is to deliver convenient, nutritious, delicious plant-based options to everyone. We know our brand has a a permission to go wide, but right now we're going to stay very narrowly focused. And uh, it's a mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make and I've made in the past is just trying to do everything. Right. And so I think if we do that, we start to build up uh, the infrastructure and the permission to go broader. But right now you have to be focused and successful in what we're doing, the, the mission at hand.
0: I love that comment, man. that is uh, that is a money shot right there. and it is about focus. I mean we we learned our lesson a little bit as well and you know tried to jump out on another product and it was just it was, there was no there was no reason, right? And it takes yeah. it, it sort of takes the the, the the process to be able to find that to go, okay, lesson learned. And as far as what what you just noted people, I, I'll be able to put this back up even though after live and that's a great just some really good commentary there about the focus. Do you mm-hmm. see yourself um, again? Because you do have to—you have to have at least the, a roadmap, and you got—you got that big, big, big dream, big plan. Can you be another in, in other sets at the grocery store? Uh, can Koya be on? I'm not gonna—I won't name a, a product, or but can you see it on
1: a different package? So, uh, so, so I'll give I'll you little insight into the way we think about it. So we've tested that for the first time. We came out with an elevated coffee line, right? So zero sugar, 200 milligrams of caffeine, plant-based protein that belongs in the coffee set. Usually that sits with the dairy buyer. As I mentioned earlier, we're going produce. And so this was an opportunity for us to test. Not only does the brand sit in another category, but do we currently have the infrastructure to support that calling on different buyers? There, there's not the logistical aspect of Uh, one ships refrigerated and one doesn't, they both ship refrigerated, but it's our first kind of dip our toe in the water, proof of concept of, can we sit in another um, uh, space in the store? We know from a consumer perspective, we have permission to go into powders and bars and snacks and all kinds of things. But again, uh, we're in a highly competitive set. I mean, people are spending a lot of money to get in that refrigerated beverage set. And so we wanna make sure we remain focused before we we, uh, go too far too fast.
0: I like the word you're using, permission. I've never heard that before. What What do you mean for somebody watching? Like, what do you mean by that? What is that? What is that to you?
1: Well, I mean, as entrepreneurs and as companies, we have the tendency to, or the potential of, like breathing our own exhaust, right? We can We can say something, get really excited about it, support each other internally, and we're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense, but. You got to. We got to listen to the consumers or to the other stakeholders. Those could be the retailers. Those could be the brokers. Those could be the distributors. Whatever it may be. And when you hear consistent things back about their perspective of the brand, it it kind of either solidifies that your brand has permission to go into different categories, different offerings, or it actually doesn't. And you may be kind of again breathing your own exhaust, uh, not listening to what the market says. So that's that's what I mean when I say that.
0: Interesting analogy. It's a solid one. You know, another key words that were thrown uh, at me the other day was market fit. Mm. And it's the simplicity of that, of those, you know, those two words, market fit, that founders often miss. And I know why. Right. You're you're so set in your ways. You know, this is for the fitness enthusiasts. This is for moms. This is for the seven-year-old kid going to school in their lunch pack, and you set in your ways and you launch, and it's not true. It, right. That wasn't that wasn't who it was who who who's buying it, and you are still trying to like push it through that hole. And it's just you got to really be listening. You had said it, listening to the consumer, or you'll be in a world of trouble quick. Um, yeah. so uh, yeah. I like that the, the relationship to the, to, to the permission piece was really solid. I, I I'm digging this, man. I could go for hours. I, we're we're going to wrap it up. Um, uh, what, do, what are the three pieces you have, you have, there's, there's three of you on the, you know, what I consider the founding board, but, um, do you each have three, uh, different, I bet your personality is a little different than, than the rest, but do you each have three different personalities and three skill sets? And if you would kind of give us that, that layout.
1: Uh, yes, yeah, so we all have different personalities, just like everybody will. Uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, I've been accused of being a New Yorker pretty fast paced and aggressive more than once, which is fine. Um, I'm okay with that. Uh, their personalities are both, uh, individually different. I wouldn't lump either of them together and they've played different and evolving roles throughout the time of the company, right. Which is natural. Uh, and so Maya has done a good job being kind of out in front of, uh, Uh, from a PR perspective out in front of the company, Dustin did a lot of product development and evolved into kind of an ownership of Southern California role. And that continues to evolve. So of course we, we play different roles and have different personalities and, and anyone who's out there with partners can expect or appreciate that. uh, And if they don't, they should.
0: (laughs) I I respect that comment. And uh, that is absolutely true.
1: Uh,
0: It was good, man. Chris Hunter, Koya, check them out. If you haven't already, the stuff tastes good. Um, and, um, you know, he didn't tell me to say that, uh, be good, man. Uh, (laughs) I really appreciate having you on. Yep. Great chat, man. Appreciate.